event, we're going to be talking about our pipe framework. This is actually something that I've been operating with since 2017 and then in 2019 started to talk about it publicly. And then over the past two or three years by executing this on more than 100 companies, um, B2B companies, we've been able to formalize this into an actual process and how you could implement it inside of Salesforce or HubSpot, inside of your CRM and be able to use it as an alternative way to, ha- to measure and optimize the success of your marketing. Introducing Pipe, the, the core, the core understanding of this is to separate the MQL. So if companies still want to, like the data should show that you probably don't want to do this anymore, but for whatever reason, companies want to continue to run a high volume MQL hamster wheel with low intent leads that haven't declared intent to buy, then you can have a pipeline source for that. But you need to separate out qualified buyers that say, hey, I want to buy now. And you need to look at that in a different way because it's going to show you what you actually need to do. And it's going to allow you to to have your sales team prioritize and potentially change your sales process for people that have already done a lot of that independent research on their own. And so what happens right now, companies mix them all together. So there's like 20,000, you know, 20,000 MQLs. You got a hundred people that ask for a demo that are qualified that actually want to buy. They all get mixed into a pot. They're not prioritized in a certain way. The ones that the hundred that do come through get routed to an SDR, just like a cold lead would. The SDR goes and does a a qualification call with a decision maker at a target account that is declared intent to buy. And you're just creating a terrible buying experience that doesn't match where the buyer is in their process. And like I'm, like I'm mentioning here, I don't look at this as a marketer. I look at this as a revenue leader. We need to be able to look at this across the whole spectrum. We need to look at the buy, the buying experience, how we create demand, all the different components inside of it. And so we split these into two. And then pipe is focused on declared intent conversions from ICP qualified accounts. So that becomes one pipeline source. People that say, hey, I want to buy now, typically through your website, but it also could be through an inbound cold call, through a DM to your CEO or evangelist. There's a lot of different ways that a, a buyer could actually declare intent to buy from your company um, by, by saying it to someone that works at your company or filling out a website form. And as we sort of alluded to in the split the funnel analysis and other things, when you split these two things out between low intent lead gen and then the pipe framework that isolates declared intent buyers, you literally just see these disparities between, oh, like we do need to look at MQLs as two separate things. We might actually just want to stop our MQL model completely, which many companies do when they see this data. And if you layer on customer acquisition cost against the lead gen spend on top of it, and you you start to show them they have a four or six month CAC payback on Google ad spend and content syndication and things like that, then it's pretty easy to dump those programs. Um, but it's like I mentioned before, and I say this a lot, it's so crazy. Like companies continue to pretend that they are data driven. And then if they, but they never actually look at this data. I don't know if it's because they don't aren't aren't looking at it the right way, if they don't have the right view, or if they actually have it and just decide not to act on it. But these are, this is like obvious core data showing you that you need to make strategy adjustments. So then you can just separate these into two separate streams, which allow you to plan and optimize your programs against things that matter for your sales team and your business. 
So what are some of the reasons that companies would actually split these into two, which would allow them to either phase out their MQL model or just run two in parallel? Pipe unifies marketing and sales by connecting them with a, with a pipeline metric that gets tied to a, a win rate. So marketing typically is scored on some type of volume metric, but no accountability to close one revenue unless they just report on the revenue that gets closed that they have attribution for. And so this creates a different distinction about what marketing actually has to deliver. I'm going to go into that piece, which is a core innovation in this in this framework. I'll go into that in a bit. It allows by optimizing for people that come to the website and convert. And then if you implemented self-reported attribution or other things, it simply allows uh, marketers to operate inside of dark social, dark social without requiring direct response lead generation activities, because you do the work inside of social and people come through and buy when they're ready to buy. And it creates a whole different way of looking at this system. Um, it improves the customer experience by engaging with your buyer when they ask to engage with you and when they're interested in buying, as opposed to talking to buyers that don't want to buy right now, which is in friction with the things that we talked about before. So just if you ask your customers what they want to do, this is what they would want to do. It's how a buyer would want to buy today in lieu of a, of a PLG or a free trial motion, which I get that many companies still don't want to move on that for a variety of reasons. It definitely scales better and faster than an MQL model. If you can look at this, like the difference between needing 13 leads to win a deal versus a thousand or 500. Um, it just creates a whole different level of scalability. And then if you do need 500 or a thousand leads to win one opportunity, then the downstream effects of how much ad spend you need to get the 500 or a thousand, how many SDRs do you need to sift through those 500 or a thousand to find a needle in a haystack? How many meetings does your sales team go to that end up not buying that can, an SDR is able to convert, gets comped on the meeting and then the buyer doesn't end up buying. So it creates a whole level of downstream implications to sales, which is by far the most expensive part. Companies only look at this of, oh, we spend $100,000 on Google. It's not a big deal. And it's like, yeah, but you have a bunch of salespeople that get paid 180 k that are not being productive because of the stuff that you're feeding them right now. Additionally, it allows... It, 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 it uh, challenges you to think about, do we need a, a different trigger in order to activate outbound sales, which historically has been we're going to get an M we're going to get an MQL, a set of contact information for a, for a pr prospective buyer from marketing. And then we're going to give it to our sales team. And that's how we're going to activate outbound. And that's a analog buying era strategy today. There's a ton of different triggers that you could use. You could uh, source intent data, fine tune that in, and then have RevOps serve intent data to your sales team and have that be the engine that activates outbound. And then marketing can take all that money and energy and focus and go and actually do things that are far more productive that create demand. So there's a huge element of changing it. Like in order to adopt this fully, you need to change the trigger of outbound. Otherwise, you're just going to shut off a faucet of leads and, and the SDR sales team isn't going to have people to call. This provides an alternative way that's typically high higher productivity and more effective to activate outbound. And then overall, it, it improves unit economics when finely tuned. It would allow you to uh, reduce customer acquisition costs and other things blended across the entire business and from marketing specifically because of the efficiency of the programs. So this is a general view of what it looks like. Um, you see a majority of your market is not in market to buy right now. And that is so in that the appropriate action is to try and to create demand. 
to educate people on the things that they need to know in order to be to have a different consideration, a different perception about your company and your category. And then once a buyer demonstrates intent to buy, and this is just the, the pipe framework, we'll show this when it gets expanded with multiple uh, multiple GTMs running at once. And so you have a, the first step is a pipe conversion, which we, is a declared intent in conversion where your buyer, an ICP qualified buyer says, hey, I want to talk to you about buying. So you could do that through a, when they convert, some level of enrichment or a scoring model or a binary model in the ICP, not in the ICP in order to measure that. So you can actually just sort of like automatically or manually just take the trash that is not ICP qualified for whatever reason and just move them out. And then you just get left with people that are ICP qualified that said, hey, I want to buy now. When you actually fine tune this, a majority of the conversion should be ICP qualified. It should be like 80% or more unless you're doing the wrong activities to drive a higher volume of people through this form. The next step is actually converting that into a meeting. So a lot of companies, for whatever reason, still continue to have a buyer that says, hey, I want to buy now, and then pass that to an SDR. And then the SDR chases them around with a sequence and hoping that they get a meeting and they convert those people into meetings at like somewhere between 20 and 30%. And so there's this whole amount, 70% of buyers that said, hey, I would love to buy from your company right now. And 70% of them don't even get into a meeting with your sales team because of how inefficient this process is. And so what we do is when the buyer converts, we uh, use enrichment, we see that they're qualified, and we actually serve them on the website a calendar, an open calendar where they can book their time with a sales professional at our company to talk about this. And so we do both of these steps at once, which then allows us to create a stage one opportunity for sales automatically. It makes attribution way more simple. It creates a better buying experience. It makes your data cleaner. There's a, a lot of different ways, a lot of different reasons to do this. But the key in order to do it is that you actually have to have people that want to meet with your sales team that have good conversations with sales. Otherwise, you're going to have a calendar link with people that aren't qualified booking meetings with your sales team. And your sales team is going to be like, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. And then it becomes this key point in the process. And this is probably the most uh, the most important part of the process, um, which we're calling hero pipeline. And so uh, buyers that get through and they get to a deal stage that you typically that you win historically at greater than 25 percent, which then that's the goal for marketing. It's not about getting the conversion. It's not about getting the meeting. It's about getting opportunities to a stage that have uh, that historically win at greater than 25%. And if the win rate decreases, then the state, the goal changes. And so I'm going to go through in a little bit more detail about how that process works. Um, and we're also, um, we are in the process of having a, we have a Salesforce package, a Salesforce app that you would be able to download in the Salesforce app store. And that is moving into a beta that does, implements all this stuff automatically inside your Salesforce instance without impacting anything that you've been doing historically. So it sits on top of the infrastructure. So if you're interested in that beta, we'll be opening it up, I think, this week. So feel free to uh, drop a comment. And Todd, you can take a note of people and we can reach out to them. Um, so you have this hero pipeline, which basically aligns marketing and sales against a, a sales-centric, revenue-centric metric. And you have closed one. So it's not that much different than what you're looking at between like an out a different it's not that much different than a different sales funnel it's just calling out that this this specific one is buyers that are qualified that said hey I want to buy now and then if you thought if you looked at these in different ways you might create a different buying process for them right like we're not going to put a calendar link for our outbound deals or through events but because of the the quality and the conversion rates of this source we do have them book the calendar and we do have a different sales process for these people versus someone that we for instance went outbound for or met at an event 
Additionally, this can be fully integrated inside of your, your uh, existing systems without impacting anything else that you're already doing. So you can literally just all, like the core difference, separate and better define MQLs and separate them into two streams and then look at each different pipeline source, whether that's outbound or others in, in uh, specific ways versus mixing all of it together and then not being able to see the nuances based on where buyers come from. So this is an example just expanded about what I last discussed. You could actually have three of these happening in parallel. The create demand motion impacts and benefits all of them. You you know that if you did effective demand creation and then you're and then a year later you had your outbound team, your outbound team's doing better a year later once a ton, a ton of people know what your company does and what your category does and is interested in buying. Way more people are receptive to starting a conversation with you at an event, to answering and entertaining a cold email, to doing a lot of the things that so demand creation augments all of these. So it's separating, creating demand and capturing demand, and then looking at when we're capturing demand, where what is the pipeline pipeline source of where the buyer is coming from. And then you have separate, you could potentially have separate streams and separate sales processes or separate things for each different pipeline source if you wanted to get sort of like mature and complex there. We covered this in the previous, uh, previous event, but I do want to just touch on it for a minute because it's a critical part of this framework working. When you move into a, hey, we're going to look at how much uh, pipeline revenue gets created through the, the, the website, high declared intent conversion on the website. When that happens, you need an, you need a hybrid attribution solution because you're outside of this like direct lead gen mode. And so this becomes actually a 100% necessary thing. If you want to implement demand creation strategies, regardless of whether you implement this pipe thing or anything else that you're doing, if you want to create demand effectively and be able to measure it and, and have those experiments be successful, you must implement a different attribution solution or everything will, everything will look like it's failing. That's why every time I talk to a company, we tried the podcast, we tried this, we turned it off after three months because we couldn't, we couldn't measure it or we couldn't prove it. It's just a constant story about failed experiments because they're measuring demand creation programs using capture demand tools and metrics. Um, so a couple of key things like this gets implemented on top of your existing process inside of Salesforce. You don't need to have this big infrastructure changes. You don't need to buy tech. You don't need to do a lot of stuff. It's actually quite a simple implementation. It doesn't impact your sales team. It does allow you to, to change how you report and change how you think about forecasting and modeling. Um, and that's one of the core benefits and reasons why companies would do this. Um, these are the, these are quick definitions. So um, a pipe conversion, just to be clear, somebody that comes to your website and declares intent to buy from you. Hey, I would like a demo. Hey, I want to talk to your sales team. Hey, I want pricing. If you don't publish pricing, uh, hey, I want to meet. Let me book a meeting with your team. Any of those types of of conversions would be considered a pipe conversion and measured automatically based on the campaign source that's seen in Salesforce. A, qual a pipe qualified meeting is a meeting that gets booked from that source. So through the pipe, through the, the a pipe conversion that converts into a meeting, pipe qualified meeting, which should ultimately be by far the best meetings that your sales team has out of all the different meetings that get booked. These people are qualified. They ask to buy. It's if your sales team is not getting these meetings and saying, "Wow, these are the best people. Can you send me more of them?" Then something's wrong. This is a key part that I want to talk through about how you actually calculate your hero stage. The Salesforce app that we're building does this automatically. It analyzes all the data and then figures out how to do this and then updates it in real time. Um, but you could do this manually as well. And we've been doing it for years. And so by looking at all like a specific pipeline source, outbound, events, uh, pipe, 
low intent lead gen, and then looking at the opportunity win rates by stage. Typically, companies are going to have a five or a six stage sales process. So in stage one, four percent, like whatever, you, however you define stage one, it doesn't matter. At stage one, four percent win rate. These are just examples. At stage two, 15% win rate. And then at stage three, 27% win rate. The first stage that's greater than 25% becomes the goal of what your demand creation team, many companies still call that a marketing team, What your that's the goal of what you want to generate in terms of pipeline. So a lot of companies say, we're generating tons of pipeline, in quotes, and they consider pipeline stage one opportunities that went at 4%. If your sales team's winning an opportunity at 4% and needs to talk to 25 people in order to get one closed deal, that is not a qual that is not pipeline. That's not qualified pipeline and it's not a qualified opportunity. So by using a win rate, win rate metric and forcing it, what happens is that most companies that run an M that optimize for MQLs or SQLs, their marketing team optimizes for stage one or stage two. And when you do that, tons of people get to stage one or stage two, fall off and never buy. And when you isolate that lead pool, you would actually see that. Um, and so that this becomes the metric. And then for instance, if a bunch of low quality buyers got into the pipeline and then the stage three win rate drops to 23%, then the goal becomes stage four for marketing. And that's what you consider pipeline in order to hit your goal and your target. By attaching the win rate, it forces alignment with sales. Okay. Uh, so quick things what you can do. And then I want to make sure we get into questions. Right away, you can reference, I think it's podcast 315 in, uh, or the other materials and implement self-reported attribution straight away. It's free. It gives you tons of great insights. And it literally is going to start to demonstrate to you what, how is our demand creation strategy working and what are the things that we're not measuring right now about what's actually happening and what's impacting our buyers. It's such a, that's such a low investment, high ROI thing to do. Um, then you could look at how we're going to actually split out between are low intent MQLs, and you can do this by typically by primary campaign source. So you got low intent MQLs and pipe conversion to figure out how to split that inside of Salesforce. Um, you need to have opportunity stage tracking. So when a opportunity moves from stage one to stage two, you need to stamp the date of when it moved. So when an opportunity moves, this is a, a very easy RevOps solution that you could put into place in, uh, in HubSpot. You could do this in less than five minutes and then start uh, implementing a couple of other core things. So now let's get into the, the actual framework. So looking at it, basically you have, you have three or four really distinct motions inside of your revenue system. You have to create demand for buyers that are not in a buying cycle and not showing intent. You have to capture the demand when buyers go and demonstrate intent, whether that be online or offline and be able to go and capture that demand and get it into a sales conversation. You then need to convert demand, demand that has been created and captured, convert it into a closed one deal. And then you need to expand accounts, which is typically an account management or customer success function, but the, all of the functions inside of the business play a part in customer success and expansion, especially with the growing rise of NRR in the current economic climate. And so you can also, we've created standardized structured ways of looking at the overall pipeline. So when I say pipe, I mean a buyer that comes to the website and declares intent to buy from you saying, Hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to talk to your sales team about buying this right now and looking at it separately and distinctly from all of the low intent lead gen sources that companies use like content syndication, performance marketing, uh, any other things that would drive a high volume of MQLs that are not explicitly asking to have a sales conversation. 
And when you split these into two distinct sources, instead of just looking at it as marketing leads, you look at it as pipe conversions and you look at it as low intent lead gen pipeline source, you get a lot of interesting data and insights to look at, which is that, hey, in the low intent lead gen bucket, even though we got 20,000 leads, the conversion rate is so low, the pipeline velocity is so low, it's creating sales and marketing misalignment. Our SDRs are being unproductive for this way. What, what, when we look at it this way, what could we do to change how we're looking at both our marketing and expenditures and how we're collaborating with the sales team? So I, I, uh, and I'll go back right here so you can see there's a key point here with a concept called hero pipeline. A lot of, a lot of people probably have heard me talk about this one. Cause I've been talking about it for some time. We've actually formalized this in our Salesforce app, which is in beta and will be thinking publicly available in March. It standardizes hero pipeline tracking, and it also automates self-reported attribution and other forms of attribution to help make decisions. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, drop it in the chat as well. That's uh, available for Salesforce. We might develop on HubSpot later. We'll see how it goes. And so you have this key point that says hero opportunity where inside of your pipeline, based on historical data, your sales team is going to win those opportunities at greater than 25%, which creates such, and that's, that becomes the goal of this channel and other channels to create pipeline that your sales team wins at greater than 25%. And a key misalignment that I see across companies is they, they use a stage to define pipeline rather than a sales outcome known, known through win rate, because the sales win rate of a pipe conversion where a buyer says, a ICP qualified buyer says, Hey, I want to buy now of stage three might be 42%. And the exact same stage three of an ABM intent driven outbound or cold outbound might be 13%. And because there's no standardized definition of pipeline, that pipeline is counted the same, it's forecasted the same, and it makes it more challenging to actually predict how much revenue you're going to get and at what time. Can you clarify what's hero? I don't understand the part where you have to convert higher than 25%. Yeah, I was going to get my laptop and show this, but it would take too long. So Bruno, inside of your company's sales process, typically let's just pretend that it's five stages. Some are six, but let's just pretend it's five. Okay. So every opportunity that opens starts in stage one, and then only a certain percentage of them move into stage two. So basically you have a filter that's going down where you start with a hundred, then you have 30, then you have 12, then you have six, then you win three deals something else that effect. And so if you start at stage one, you started with 100 and you won three, it's 3%. Stage two, you have 40 and you won three. So that's like 9%. Maybe stage three, you have, you know, let me try and do the math in my head. You have nine in stage three and you won three of them. That equals, it's 33% win rate. So stage three, is the first stage greater than 25% win rate. And that becomes the hero stage. And so all pipeline then gets measured based on stage three for that pipeline source. Now, another element that makes this really interesting is that if you have that type of process coming through your uh, outbound engine, then maybe stage three is the number. But for your website, Maybe your website comes in, they book a meeting automatically, and you actually win 26% of your stage one opportunities that come through your website. Then for your website, then stage one would be the definition of hero pipeline. And so what this does is it normalizes the definition and amount of pipeline credited to different pipeline sources based on the win rates of the deals.
And so what happens in practice today, just to explain the problem, is that companies will generate $10 million in pipeline through their outbound channel by giving away gift cards and cold calling people and chasing around ebook downloads. And they measure pipeline based on when they booked the meeting, which would be stage one or stage, let's just pretend it's stage two for this process. So then they got that and they only win 6% of those meetings, but they're calling it pipeline. And then over on the website, the website has people coming through, they're getting to stage two and from and they only created $5 million in pipeline. But from stage two forward, they win 40% of the deals instead of 6% of the deals. When the company goes and looks and tries to figure out where am I going to invest in the future, they're going to look and say, wow, Outbound drove $10 million in stage two opportunities. It's driving our most pipeline. We should go and invest more in that, not looking that they only win it at 6%. And then if conversely, if you looked over, you'd actually drive more revenue with 5 million winning at 40%, 2 million, than you would at 10 million at 6%, 600,000. And so there's no there's no standardization or weighting of pipeline from pipeline source to pipeline source inside of a company or from company to company to be able to compare pipeline. That's what the hero stage does is it standardizes a definition of pipeline that all companies can follow to then be able to compare and analyze their data in a more objective way. I want to show quick gains and build trust, low-hanging fruit, while working on longer-term projects. What are three areas that you'd focus on if you were in my shoes? P.S. I need to maintain a healthy level of lead volume, MQLs as they define it, coming in for the short term while showing pipe and close one impact at the same time. Okay, let's do it. There's what I would I would do. Um, and when I say what I would do, I'm not necessarily recommending it to you because it might result in you getting fired, but I'll tell you what I would do. And then I'll tell you what pro you probably should do, given the constraints that you're working with. What I would do is I would take all the different performance marketing lead sources that we have, and I would, I would make a chart with it of how much we spend on it, how much stage three pipeline we get from it and how much close one revenue we get from it and make some calculations on win rates and productivity and sales velocity and things like that. And I would stack that up to probably the sales leader today. I would probably go to the, not the CEO, not the head of marketing, I'd go to the sales leader and say, Hey, sales leader, here's where we're deploying a lot of the marketing budget. Here's the results in pipeline. What do you see? Here's what I see. I see that we spend all this money on paid search. We spent $600,000 over the past year, which is 50 K a month. And we are getting $13,000 in revenue from each 50,000 in spend. If we took this and redeployed it, like maybe there's a way we can still get the 13,000, but only spend $13,000 a month for a one-to-one -one advertising payback. And then we can go and think about redeploying this money on different programs. So I would have a, I would run the analysis of the data. I would come together with recommendations and I would present them to the sales leader and align it against, here's how we're going to help you grow and hit your team's goals. And here's the insights. Sales leaders respect that because marketers usually don't come with that level of business acumen and business insight. But there's challenges in that approach based like you basically are showing people that the MQL strategy is flawed. Some people might not, some people that are very attached to the MQL metrics, it's in their early indicators and it's been the same way for the past 12 years. They just have it in their board dashboard and the board pushes for it and all this shit. Like you're, you might rub some people the wrong way that are very MQL focused. So that's 
That's what I would do. In your situation, I would make some of these changes, like I would make some of these changes on potentially on the fly. You're a director of a person, you have some level of authority and autonomy. Make sure that you maintain a certain level of MQLs. I would also start to show um, the the uh, like show pipeline alongside MQLs, probably you know stage one, stage two, whatever your company decides, and try and get people to see that MQLs are staying the same or slightly declining and pipeline is growing because we're focused on the places where the right pipeline is. You can reference some of the data that we have. We have published plenty of data in the vault. I think it's available for, I think it's available for on the free one. We can go in and see some of the statistics that we see with the core conclusion. Not all MQLs are created equal. Executives should recognize this. And most companies get like 90% of the revenue from like five to 10% of the quote unquote leads. And so the other, it's like the 80, 20 rule, but even more dramatic, like 80, 80% of the spend drives no results. So, um, and when you're running performance marketing, it's, it's very easy to see what, what's the 80% that's driving no results. Um, so I think the, if you're, have you been doing this for a while, the data should tell the full story and, you know, occasionally you might find, Hey, actually like some of this stuff is working pretty well for our business. We have a great offer. We have a great product. We're leading our category. We can run a lot. We can run some of this performance marketing and get decent returns. Um, so I think the data analysis is the key thing. And then there's probably tweaks that you can make inside of paid search, inside of website CRO, inside of some of those things to move the ball forward without like breaking the system. The thing you don't want to do is go from generating 5,000 MQLs a month to zero without the or to 100 without the company being prepared for it because there's a lot of downstream implications to shutting off that faucet without a plan. Well, they said makes total sense. Thank you for the thorough response. 